Welcome to episode 76 of the Search with Canada podcast, recorded on Sunday the 30th of August 2020. My name is Mark Williams-Cook and today I'm going to bring you something a little bit different. After I had my chat last week with Ari Jabouali about women in tech SEO, I was with not um, a little bit of sadness reviewing the Search Norwich archives. So Search Norwich was our was our uh, bi-monthly uh, local SEO meetup in Norwich. Uh, we haven't run it since um, since kind of February, January, February time was the last meetup due to COVID. And I've shared a few of the talks on there and I noticed there are a couple um, that I haven't shared with you yet and that's what I'd like to do today. I found a brilliant talk by an SEO named Elodie Partridge who did a talk called Content with More Crunch. And it was one of the first talks that we did at Search Norwich. And what amazed me when I was listening to it today is just how well it's aged uh, because it really was looking ahead at how Google's moving away from this kind of keyword based and more to an entity based uh, graph type understanding of content. So LED gives some really solid advice about how you can build that into your SEO strategy. Before we get going with that, just like to say again, thank you to Sitebulb, who are the sponsors of this episode. So Sitebulb is a desktop-based crawler for Windows and Mac systems that can produce some of the finest SEO audits you will see. And on Twitter this week, um, I follow a chap called uh, Martin McDonald, quite well-known SEO. And actually, I just want to read you a tweet that he wrote about Sitebulb on August the 28th, where he said, in case anyone was wondering, the best desktop crawler in 2020 is Sitebulb without a doubt. It's comically good particularly compared to services that cost tens or hundreds of times more. Not a paid endorsement, I just love it. Um, so this obviously is a paid endorsement, but I also do love it. But I thought it would be cool to read out a not paid endorsement as well. Um, it, Martin makes a really good point as well about services that cost tens or, or literally hundreds of times more. And that's normally the kind of cloud-based systems that cost so much more. One of the cool features of Sitebulb is you can do scheduled crawling, which means you can have a dedicated machine or you can use your current machine out of hours. So it can really uh, kind of use your computer to its full. And you know that's one of the other issues sometimes you have with, with desktop-based crawlers is they can be a bit memory hungry. So Sitebulb has this feature which allows it really to compete on things otherwise you would be paying tens or hundreds of times more. Sitebulb, as hopefully you know, has a great deal for Search with Canda listeners. You can get a 60-day trial of Sitebulb. You don't have to give them your credit card or sign any weird contracts to do this. You can go straight to sitebulb.com forward slash SWC. So for Search with Canda, sitebulb.com forward slash SWC and download that trial from that URL. And without further ado, what you're here for, here is Elodie Partridge talking about content with more crunch. So, might be a bit of a shock, but Google doesn't actually want you to do keyword research. And what I mean by this is 
it's a really granular level, single keyword research per page, and it's not very scalable. So this means if your content strategy is based around single keywords, it might be time for you to move on a little bit. What's the evidence of this? Well, so way back in 2016, um, Google cut the amount of data that you could see in Google Keyword Planner, if you do PPC. Um, and then later that year as well, uh, the data was further restricted and no longer showed search volume for close variants of keywords. So keywords that are quite similar to other keywords, they kind of grouped it all together. Um, and thinking behind that as well is kind of how search has evolved and also something called intent behind a user's search query. So that's what we're going to look at. Um, and thirdly as well, I'm going to take you on a quick tour around how the Google algorithm has evolved a little bit and how we've led to this. So how should you structure your content now, given that? Oh, a bit too quick there. It may sound like a sugary breakfast cereal targeted to copywriters, but it's actually quite good for the health of your website. The answer is with content clusters. So this is where the crunch comes from in terms of cereal. I like to think of it like that. But um, you might have also heard of similar concepts like hubs, contents, grouping different things together, categorization, modeling. We're going to look at specifically this today. Um, but let's take a little look at what led us to this. So here's the rise of natural language in search. So Google's goal has always been to understand users and deliver the right answers um, quickly. Um, and that's so that they can deliver the best experience to the people who use their system um, and they can overall, in time, predict what users actually want, which obviously helps their profits as a company. Um, so back in 2011, um, you probably remember Siri kind of came out, so that sort of voice search, very early beginnings. Um, in 2012 as well, they released a feature on their search results page, which is the knowledge graph, which I'll quickly cover next. Um, but that was quite interesting as a feature. Um, and 2011 to 13 as well, we started moving away from the kind of behaviour where we search with fragmented keywords. Um, and using natural conversational search like we might be using when we talk in conversation with other people, so real people. Um, yeah, so two major developments kind of followed that, um, and that's 2013, you've got Hummingbird, which is um, something really big that we're going to cover as well, and then shortly after that, RankBrain followed, which is the AI implementation of machine learning, which you might see now. Um, so quickly, the knowledge graph. That was um, a great indication that Google's moving away from that fragmented search. They launched this at the time saying, calling it things, not strings, which means basically don't think of search in terms of like disparate concepts that don't connect together, but start thinking of it as real things, real people. Um, yeah, so that kind of, to me, logic suggests that the more data we can kind of feed into the Google machine, the richer our results are going to be and the better we're going to understand users, etc., and predict over time. So you might see the knowledge graph in practice, well, you see it all the time. If you look at a search engine results page, you've got a little knowledge panel, so you might search for, say, your favourite band or something, and then um, you'll find lots of different data points that they've all collected together. And um, that is the knowledge graph, essentially. Um, so it's 
kind of like describing Google as a knowledge engine. So then Hummingbird came across, and this was a major change. So uh, what you'd say, like a core, um, a complete change to the algorithm, basically, and it's all around natural language and semantics. So yeah, this is what you can kind of see now with the advent of voice assistance and voice-operated technology. This is all based on Hummingbird. Um, so this update was essentially around understanding context behind a user search. And we'll look in a little while what, what I mean by context. And quickly, RankBrain. So that was in 2015. Um, and this has two jobs as well. And it's to just understand search queries better and also measure user satisfaction from search results. But it's a machine learning, so over time it gets better and better and better. Um, yeah, and it gets better at delivering more accurate queries, um, more accurate answers to user search as well. So, essentially, context plus content equals better search rankings. Um, so, yeah, so this is just as a takeaway from all of this. The most important thing these sort of updates in search have uh, resulted in is, is how um, you guys can create content to respond to it, essentially. And we have to look at a user's context. And I've kind of like summarized it here. This could be things like where they're located, what device they're using, what their preferences are. Also their search history. Um, if you think of logged in, logged out as well, you're giving loads of data. Um, you've got the time of day. You might also, this could also be, this is stripped back a little bit, but if you think of yourself as a user, um, you might actually change a lot of these things uh, based on your mood as well. So that's context, so how you're feeling as well. So similar searches by others' users as well. Search is collating all of that information together and it gives context. So the major one there is user intent. So what is it your user is actually searching for? What do they want when they search? So how can you see this for yourself? So do a little test in search. If you search for, say, a first console by Sony, you'll find that it understands you're looking and you want to see PlayStation. You didn't actually write PlayStation, but it's the understanding of the context of what you're looking for, and that's awareness of entities. So what shows awareness of location and intent? Search for pizza, you will get really localized results, and Google will understand that you're probably looking for a restaurant or a takeaway, and you want to eat it. So they're the kind of results that <laughs> you'll get, and you might get a lovely local panel there. And awareness of intent, search for any hard to spell word, and you'll, you might get a dictionary result, a definition. So it kind of knows what you want with that as well. And over time, with the rank brain algorithm, it's refining those answers as well. So if it found it didn't give you the right answer, it'll keep trying with more and more data and more and more experiments. And Google will be doing experiments all the time to their search results. So if you see something change one day from the next, they're just testing things out and seeing what sticks. So looking at your websites, your apps, your, your content, what is your site about? So with an understanding of context behind a user's search, um, Google's then looking to match up your query um, with trustworthy content. So content that is of quality and it's going to deliver the right experience to users and satisfy their intent or their, their question. But traditionally, uh, content marketers might have just sort of produced blogs um, without a clear structure. 
And over time, this gets really messy, and um, you might end up with loads of similar posts targeting the same sort of keyword, cannibalizing each other. Um, and the overall structure looks a bit like this. There's no clear hierarchy. Um, users will find it hard to navigate, and so will robots. So um, you might not see great rankings for the content that you've lovingly produced. So what should we do? <laughs> On the other hand, content clusters kind of look a bit more like this. So you um, target your content around a central pillar page, which is um, a really detailed um, piece of content which related topics then connect to. Um, and if this is in depth as well, and the structure of the website supports this, it's going to be much easier for the rank brain algorithm and users to understand the hierarchy of your content, what's important on your site to you, um, and you'll be rewarded in results as well. So, trust is a really big factor here, um, and Google is only really interested in delivering the best answer to questions because that's going to satisfy users again. <laughs> Um, and so just ask yourself whether the content on your site, the pieces of content, are useful resources for your audiences. Um, and also have a look at your links and your profile as well because you need other people or other places on the net to, vet, to vouch for you as well in your content. So we'll look at that as well um, in terms of what you should do next. So what sort of steps are we looking at to integrate content classes as part of your content strategy? Well, we recommend, if, especially if you produce content already, restructuring it and having a look at those relationships between different pages on your site. Um, so, yeah, what you need to do is identify um, the key topics um, that you want to cover and create those pillar pages, those really in-depth pages about that topic. And you'll find that that actually helps you rank for a load of keywords and has actually made your keyword research job a lot easier. And it's quite a natural way of doing it because you've planned it around your users as well. Um, so the more detailed, um, the more it, time you really invest in getting this right, um, you'll just reap the rewards essentially. And then you can build related content around that into your cluster format um, <coughs> and model it so that you can rank well in search. So in practice, how can you kind of do that? You can do it with sort of digital tools however you like, really, or even try a card sorting exercise. You might have seen lots of sitemaps and trees and things like this. Um, you could sort of visualise it as those be the pillars and decide where things fit, or you could um, do it in spreadsheet format, or again, just whatever tools that would suit you. But what we'd say is think about the topics and think about relations and think about connections as you do this. And so here's some tools to help you. Um, SEMrush is a great all-in-one marketer's tool. It's got loads of handy toolkits. It's quite cheap. There's also free trial options, I believe. And there are other link tools as well that feed into um, quite beefy tools like SEMrush. So you, you might have your Majestic, your Hrefs. Um, and there's lots of crawler tools as well for you to be able to audit your current content and see what it actually looks like maybe to a robot. And there's a free version of Screaming Frog as well, up to like 500 URLs. Um, and obviously, there's lots of analytics software for you to be able to identify if you already have good pillar content on your site. Have you got really well-ranking um, pieces as well? And you kind of know which pieces then you might want to adapt, repurpose, etc., and not lose. 
So we also use content production software to scale this at Celestia as well, and that can be really handy if you're working in a team environment and you want to collaborate and you don't want to accidentally produce the same pillar page at the same time or something. So it's all important to stay focused to your niche because that's really going to help um, in search as well. If you're staying on topic and you're really good at that topic, you're the authority on that, it's going to rank and you're going to see um, the results you're looking for and a more positive return on investment as well, which is what we all want. So key thing here is, again, like Google and search engines bang on about, is focus to your users, to real people, because um, they are ultimately the ones consuming your content and you want them to perform an action from your content. So think about their needs, think about who they are. So write for your audience. Um, and then think about the context that they might be in as well as you're writing. So um, you can tailor the content even more. Um, so there's even some tools to help you do this as well. Um, we've got, we love Answer the Public because it's just this lovely like, visualisation. It's really quick and easy. You can just enter in a keyword and it will just show you a visualisation of all the related keywords to it. Uh, and you can play around with that. Um, that's Answer the Public. Uh, you've got, obviously got Google Trends and the free tools by Google. There's, there's just many that you can just play around with. But we all have our preferences, but just give them a go. There's free versions of most things. Um, I'd probably recommend starting with Answer the Public just to see what's out there for your topics um, and the kind of, maybe the kind of topics that you're not actually going for but could be quite related for you as well. So new opportunities. Um, and then, yeah, so how do you focus that to the right audience? Um, well, you'd also look at your analytics. Um, you might want to think about creating personas. So these are sort of um, fictional profiles. Um, and you can use analytics here. We've got an example of using the affinity category. Um, and you can look at demographic data. You can look at sort of the topics um, they're interested in. Um, Google's released other features they, they do all the time, like in-market audiences, look at the commercial interests as well, and then build hypothetical profiles about your target customers, which will help you um, produce the content um, later on as well, but in a more scalable fashion because it's aggregated data and you can be quite confident that your, um, your content is going to stick with your audiences. So with your audience in mind, then you've got to ask yourself, are you the best person to write this content? Um, but if not, how can you be? Um, and yeah, so if you don't think you are the best in a certain niche, um, maybe it's not the right topic to go for right now, but it might be one that you can add later in the pipeline and you can think about creating the steps to um, become like the best in your niche as well. So part of using these tools and doing the sort of auditing of your existing content, you might end up unearthing lots of interesting insights from who your competitors are and who's ranking in your place as well. So when it comes to extracting the value from your content, I'm talking here about um, return on investment and also being able to um, analyze the content that you've produced and restructured um, and also how you can continually build on it um, and improve your content because search never stops. So as we've seen from the little evolution, that's, that's not going to stop, that's going to continue. Um, and with voice as well, there's lots of fun ways you can do this creatively. Um, there's a bunch of features you could probably try. Um, analytics has 
things like content groups, so you can make it easy for yourself to analyse um, a set of pages together, which might be sitting under your pillar, and you've got custom channels that you can create, but also your customers are your most valuable source of information, so just ask them if they like it, and do feedback campaigns, do every piece of content, and when I say content, I mean that broadly, and so it could be a video, it could be, it could be anything, um, but your customers will give you the truest picture. And make it part of your business plan as well. So the great thing about um, doing content classes and sitting in SEO as well, from my point of view, is optimising um, content and using structure. It's amazing how doing that integrally from the very beginning can have amazing results later. So don't think of SEO as an afterthought. Think about optimising your content and bringing it in with everything else that you're doing. Um, and believe me, it's worth it. So this is how it kind of works, essentially, if we... If it was a perfect linear um, model here, so this is how customers or potential customers um, might turn from strangers to advocates of your brands. Um, if you're mapping out that process, if you're producing the right content, if you're answering their questions in the right way because of all of the effort that you've put in previously. Um, yeah, so get this right and you'll have brand advocates for life. So you can also report on all of this as well um, and I'm sure in our various businesses you'd want to report back about ROI and how successful this strategy is and you can still track keywords keywords still have value um, but we recommend to group them by topic so you're structuring your content by topic you might as well measure by topic as well and this is also another way of making that a little bit more scalable and it means you can also measure your visibility by that as well um, so visibility here we sort of mean how how many sort of queries your site shows up for and how relevant it is as well so you might see that graph just going up and up and up if you're following a strong content strategy so yeah and do the same thing as we've seen with content groups so make use of the features available to you google analytics is completely free um, which is great um, and yeah so you can do it at every level so i've kind of sped through there um, but to summarize um, what you need to do is just identify the topics that you want to be visible for. And remember, if you've already produced content, you might already have this. Um, restructure that content around those central pillar pages. Uh, research and write genuinely useful content. Um, and usefulness, you can look at the same metrics that search engines will be using as well to try and determine that. So on-site behaviours, that actual feedback from your customers, that continual improvement process with your content production, all of that um, is that. And then, obviously, building your reputation and credibility within these topics will mean that there you want to promote your content as well, so you want to get it out there and you want to get your message heard. So think about links as well as part of this. And Google have become very good at understanding how content relates um, without the need for links as well. So that's why structure is so important. Um, because you are essentially um, helping Google rank your site because you're doing them a favour. You're making it easy to navigate um, and they can see the value from your content like that. So again, just measure the results by a topic and make it part of your business plan because the ROI comes from doing that and having a holistic approach to this because there's so many different factors and so many different signals in search. Map it out a little bit and you'll get the results that you're looking for. Thank you for listening to me.
That was Elodie Partridge. I hope you enjoyed that talk and got something from it. We will be back in one week's time, which will be Monday the 7th of September. I hope you'll tune in then. And if you are enjoying the podcast, maybe take a moment to leave us a review or do subscribe. Really appreciate it. And I hope you all have a wonderful week. Thank you.